0: Oh, baby, baby, we are back for the DFS Army Fantasy Football Show. I got my guy, Flex Matt. Of course, you're talking about the coming 2023 rookie class from a fantasy football perspective. Matt, it's been a hot minute. It's been about a month. You helped introduce the, DSF, the DFS Army team to the rookies. We now have combined data. How are we feeling about it?
1: Yeah, you know. Uh, thank you, Shane. Welcome uh, back to the the duo. Uh, the Tower of Powers, what we call ourselves. Sure. I actually just called ourselves that just now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I think we got. Uh, we, I don't know that we left the combine um, with anything that definitively changed like too much. Um, you know, I think that some people in the industry, especially, um, like I don't like to do this. I don't like to flag plant too incredibly much too early. Um, just you know, it's just you want to see the combine data and you know listening to a lot of people as well it's like combine data is only about 25 to 30 percent i think that that's really going to be extremely useful that term is going to be extremely useful this year because some of this combine data you almost got to throw directly out the second you get it Mm -hmm. um one thing and foreshadowing it is kashan booty's uh, you know height he jumped 29 inches I, I i listened to a podcast where they were uh this guy was like listen i could come off the couch and jump 29 and if that's the case do you want to draft the guy so yeah. some some of this you have to throw out but the some of it also may have helped some and that's what we're I guess what we're here to talk about so um thank you for having me on and I appreciate it and then let's dive in a little bit about the movers here yeah, Matt, I'm just um, gonna touch real
0: quick again for the people here so I, I think you brought up a really really good point about where the value is for the combine and there's just there's been a debate for years whether or not the combine actually provides any value from a fantasy football perspective from an NFL perspective right like what does it really bring and I think to a good degree I mean listen Production is key. Production is number one when it comes to a player evaluation, right? I mean, there's lots of super athletes out there that don't know how to play football. We see that all the time, right? But what it does is it, it can confirm or go against what we believe a player to be in terms of athleticism. And Keyshawn Boudet, you just nailed it, that now there's more question marks, right? You would argue his agent probably said, don't, don't, don't do the vertical jump. He did it, probably a dumb move. But I think the other thing, too, is that it helps coaches and teams get a more complete prospect uh, evaluation on these types of players, right? There's also the interview uh, aspect to the combine. There's also the medical aspect to the combine. And they get this complete picture on these players, which will then affect where they are taken in a draft. And draft capital in fantasy football is a huge correlator. So that's why it's important. Let's not get over our skis, but we can also get a little excited. And that brings us to the quarterback position, Matt, because everybody is talking about Anthony Richardson, the freak. The freak. The yes. freak, man. The so freak. There's the general consensus out there that Anthony Richardson, we knew he was an athletic freak. We knew it. was he. Did we know that he was the greatest quarterback athlete in our modern era? No. I don't think anybody quite predicted that. But... He went from a top 15 conversation guy to a top 10 conversation guy. Now people are mocking him potentially to the Panthers at one overall. To me, that's cockamamie, but let's talk about, let's talk about Anthony Richardson. Where do you think now he is likely going to go in the draft? And did he move the needle for you with this performance?
1: Well, I would have to say that he moved the needle for everybody. I mean, there's no way you can step away from a combine like that and not move the needle. And then, You know, I think it's – there's a lot more I think that we should be saying about what Carolina did. You know, Carolina didn't just mortgage their future. They really mortgaged their future. You know, they didn't have to give up DJ Moore in that trade. Um, I felt like the Bears, you know, they – They got swindled for Mitch Trubisky And they were really (laughs) interested In doing the swindling Um, this helps get a lot of Naysayers off their back, I feel like You know, um I forget the wide receiver from the Steelers off the top of my head. I I know his name, but I just don't – for I forget it right now. He now slots in Chase Claypool. He now slots in as their wide receiver three. Now, when you look at that and you look at DJ Moore coming into that, you now look at it and you kind of really like the Claypool move, um, yeah. although he's not the guy I would have selected. But either way, what I'm basically trying to say is mm-hmm. that Carolina moved up <clears> – <throat> For for something, it happened post combine, so you would have to imagine that they came out of the combine with your top three quarterbacks throwing, not not Bryce Young, um, but you know essentially the guys we all want to talk about: Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. They came out of the combat by being so emphatically for a QB that they decided to give up their top receiver and their draft for the next two years. So. Who do you think after watching the combine of QBs that we watched is that player? There's no one else that it could be than Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, because he so much. And and remember they're the team that also took the chance on Cam Newton. I wouldn't say took the chance, but they are the guys that, That got led to the Super Bowl after doing this exact same thing, where they took a chance on a guy that had came up from D two to D one and then just excelled. That's not Anthony Richardson's uh, path, but just saying. Um, he's that big, he's that exciting, and Caroline has been there before. So it just seems like a perfect fit, not to mention they play in some differing weather um, outdoors. So you got to have a strong-arm QB. But somebody, I just listened to this, I, I forget where it was, but they had mentioned that over the last seven years of every prospect that has came to the NFL draft, Anthony Richardson rates dead last in QB efficiency metrics, dead last in seven years. Okay, so we're not talking about a objectively bad QB uh, in the in the mind in in what he does and the throws he makes. We're talking about an actually bad QB, which which kind of maybe turns the tide to CJ Stroud. Who do you think it is?
0: To me, it's it has to be CJ Stroud. The, the question has always been, I think, just going back with these Ohio State quarterbacks is, are they products of the system? And Justin Fields had a lot of those question marks coming out. I think Justin, I think you and I were both pretty high in fields. We believe that he could be an NFL caliber quarterback. He's proving that he probably can be. I believe CJ Stroud has that in his range of outcomes as well. And one of the things that we we wanted the confirmation on now, CJ Stroud has always had a clean looking, like just his, the way that he releases a ball, he looks like a, in my opinion, the best thrower in this class. And last I checked, Matt, like the quarterback needs to be able to distribute a ball. Right. And you can see it. And that was kind of the, one of the cool things about the combine is that Richardson and Stroud threw back to back. Right. So you kind of saw one after the other and you just saw the mechanics of CJ Stroud versus Anthony Richardson. And it looked clean. Now, listen, Richardson actually looked decent with his passes, right? Uh, the deep ball for both looked great. But for me, CJ Stroud, he's a leader on the field, he's a leader off the field. You talk about that completion percentage, what I liked is that in 2021, he had a 71.9% completion percentage, which is high in college, right? Especially in the program that he was in. Last year, he had a 66% completion percentage. Anthony Richardson has an eclipse 60%. Now, I will say, one of the criticisms or critiques, I should say, not a criticism, but a critique of Richardson is the fact that he is a raw prospect, right? But the man isn't even 21 years old yet. When we talk about the big four quarterbacks, Matt. He is the youngest out of all of them, right? So, so if Carolina was to take that swing at Anthony Richardson, one would argue how can they go one overall and not start this guy right away? But they mortgage their future, right? So they, they're not going to have a first-round pick this, this year other than the first for, for whichever quarterback they go with. They got rid of D.J. Moore, with which for those of you who have attention to detail, you can mask background there. And guess who's in the bottom right corner there? That's Mr. D.J. Moore. We love D.J. Moore. Both you and I love him as a player. He's a real true number one. And what do you want for one of these young quarterbacks? A true number one, right? Whoever goes to Carolina isn't going to have that player. What are they going to have? D.J. Chark? like the, well that's Jacoby my Myers? problem
1: that's my real problem with why it can't be richardson um i and why i think it's cj yes. stroud because cj stroud is the guy that you feel can get the ball delivered efficiently to whoever's <laughs> out there you
0: know? so. yeah exactly
1: what do you think
0: um i was gonna say kyler murray but what do you think bryce young's gonna go now
1: I think that the NFL is, is going to tell us about Bryce Young. I mean, we had no problem drafting Kyler Murray. You know, he's not the same QB uh, for no. sure. And then obviously it was bulk season for for him. So it was kind <laughs> of tough. It's yeah. fake. It was fake, in my opinion. And then he chose not to throw. It's just, to me, doesn't, doesn't seem – but here's the thing yeah. about Bryce Young – He's been quiet his entire career. Um, I had mentioned this on our, our previous podcast, and this is something I would love everybody to go and do is to watch the Elite 11 Uh, Where it was Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud that time, C.J. Stroud was a commit to Ohio State But the whole entire show was about uh, Bryce Young and uh, DJU Which Mm -hmm. uh, DJU took the chicken route out um, Because he just knew he wasn't the QB Uh, Not to mention, I feel like that's exactly what Bryce Young's doing a little bit right now But he's doing that for a reason This is his future When he gets uh, drafted as top five pick If he never uh, does anything else in his career He's going to uh, have a lot of money that he can uh, sit on and and be fine. So um, I think he wants to compete. Bryce Young's a, a a guy. I mean he he's a he's a great QB. He makes good decisions. Um, is he going to lead your team? Um, you know that's something the NFL's going to tell us. I like him. I think he's fine. He's going to go top five. Um, I just mm-hmm. kind of have a feeling that uh, uh, Arizona is going to get out of that three pick um, because now it doesn't matter. And I think that. Uh, yeah. Well, it only doesn't matter because Chicago's not there, right? So Chicago would have taken, you know, your top overall defensive player. Now Arizona could take your overall guy. But if they move down to six, who's to say they're not going to get it anyway? Six or seven or something like that. You know, so they're in a position to move down to. So Seattle's in kind of the weird spot now. You know, if if a Will Levis falls past top four, if a Bryce Young falls past top four, um, you know, and and Pete Carroll's a college uh coach so he could probably get the most out of a Bryce Young. So if Bryce Young goes to Seattle, how do you not, you know, you got Anthony Richardson in Carolina. You got Bryce Young in Seattle. What do you like?
0: Couldn't you see like a Jalen Carter now with with the news? I still think he's going to go top five, top six. And I could see Seattle going at five and and going Jalen a player like Jalen Carter. To me that that seems like a, a pretty realistic landing spot for him but i mean listen so carolina obviously is going to go quarterback houston as sitting there too do you think they, they would maybe go like the will levis direction
1: well you ben? know um these guys aren't dummies right so when you talk about uh mock drafts and stuff like that you talk about uh the guys on the nfl network doing it you know they're not doing that just on their own accord they speak to these scouts they speak to these guys so you know bryce young has been mocked to houston quite sometime quite often, Will yeah. Levis been mocked to Oakland quite some time for quite often. So, it's um, it's probably indicative of of how the teams are viewing Levis, yeah. um, and and how you know I was so high on Levis, um, and I still am. I still think it's C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, one and two. Um, Interesting. And, and can we I'm, talk about that, Matt? Because yeah, I think it it's feels Will like Levis the forgotten man a in little. this
0: entire process because everybody's talking about. Um, C.J. Stroud and just his ability to throw the ball, obviously Anthony Richardson and the conversations with just with his athleticism. Bryce Young is always size, size, size. But nobody seems to be talking about Will Levis yet. Quietly, he had a pretty decent combine. He looked fine, right? Um, A lot of people throughout his college career is kind of competent to a Josh Allen type player in that he can be pretty elusive. Um, He knows how to move around the pocket. Uh, some would argue sometimes he holds the ball a little bit too long because he's going to rely on his his movement skills, which might not translate to the NFL. But can you tell the people about Will Levis and why? For the last college season, I was getting texts on my phone every Saturday saying, "Did you check out this Will Levis play?" And it's just like, why you're the number one fan of the Will Levis fan club? That was me. Yes, <laughs> that was you. That yes. was
1: me. You know the thing about Will Levis and why he's flying under the radar. Per se is just because the combine Was done better by the other two QBs and uh, not To mention that everything people Were saying about Will Levis was Clearly I mean you even heard um, You know Daniel Jeremiah Is like yeah you know I had uh, you know, I had Reserves about Will Levis throwing Left on this out route and you Can clearly see it doesn't open his hips To the route he strong arms it Over there yeah. um, you know you were Expecting Will Levis to soar the Ball in the deep ball drills and Instead, he didn't have as high of an arc. The ball went far. Don't disagree with that, but you could just tell the mechanics were off. Um, but that's the thing is that's who he is. And that's, you can coach that. And, and oftentimes you would hear a lot of the similarities about, um, about Josh Allen in the combine and about what he can and can't do. And then you don't worry about it because the guy can huck the ball a million yards when it counts. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, Important, and so where Will Levis goes is going to actually probably uh, help help his development. Oakland has been the mock because a lot of people don't feel that. Vegas, you mean? Sorry, Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. They <laughs> have <hard>. Yes. They, <laughs> they uh, they've been the mock because of a lot of reasons. One is that we probably don't think that the NFL is as high on Will Levis as the fantasy community may be. Mm-hmm. Or actually, we're probably both in line now because you're seeing Will Levis go seven, eight, nine. You're going to see him go seven, eight, nine in the NFL draft. And he's going to go to um, Josh McDaniel. So who's been great you could say at coaching QBs or, or trying to help now, Derek Mm -hmm. Carr didn't work out. That's okay. That's understandable. That's not a young, moldable mind. Um, You got a a stellar core at Oakland uh, or in Las Vegas. Sorry. (laughs) So you could see a a path for, for, you know, I just think he just didn't. Wow. That's it. He just didn't wow anybody and his, and his irregularities were pointed out and then were, right there in front of you to see. So I'm um, pretty tough, but I still love him as number two because I think that he he has the most, um, you know, you look at Anthony and Richard, like I said, he was he's the worst passing profile of the last seven years of QBs. So with that being said, can you fix that? That's going to be yeah. a lot harder to fix than, you know, some of Will Levis' footwork because Will Levis has everything Anthony Richardson has as well. He's not as fast as Anthony Richardson, but he can run. And you're gonna see him run. And Josh yeah. Allen runs too, you know. So you you can see that he's but he's not a running QB person.
0: No, he, he can run if he has to. So um, I like to get all my data from playerprofiler.com. Uh, it's, it's one of the websites you trust the most. So they've just came up with their comps based off production and athleticism, metrics, size, weight, etc. His best comparable player, Matt. Tell me if you like this. And I kind of like it, is Jay Cutler, followed by Carson Palmer. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I can see that, right? Jay Cutler. C- cigarette in one hand, that's... toss the ball down 50 <laughs> yards in the other hand.
1: That's hilarious. Um, I mean, it's fine. He, he, they're ba- yeah,
0: that's Jay fine. Cutler was a good fantasy football quarterback.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Um, I just you don't love it. I don't love it. I because I, I'm I'm looking at exactly what you're seeing, and I see yeah. that Mitchell Trubisky falls Down there you know I would like To say that he's a a tad more Mobile than a Jay Cutler But I can understand why Jay Cutler Would be the prime comp if you Had Jay if you had everything that Jay Cutler has and you Add a, a lot more rushing Production which I think is what's going to um, increase you know it's exactly what increased Josh Allen you know Josh Allen was yeah. able to throw to but when he was getting you 50 yards and two goal line scores which you're just not ba- you're not baking that into Will Levis's production right now you're not assuming he's getting you two goal line rushes in in, in Las Vegas he's not right in in, yeah. in Indy he's not but you you just don't know where he's going and what what coach is going to do what? But if that's the case with Will Levis, because he is big and he can get in, then you he's number one QB of the class.
0: It's interesting. So let's let's money on the tables. Put team unseen yet. If you had to rank these top four quarterbacks from a fantasy football perspective, I'm putting you on the spot, Matt. Who's your number one quarterback for fantasy football? At, well, at the one oh two, because I'm assuming Bijan is gonna go at one. And at number two, who who would you take?
1: Well, that's the thing. If okay, so who would I take right now? I would take right CJ Stroud, but I'm yep. just saying that if Anthony Richardson pops, mm-hmm. he's gonna be the biggest productive QB on the market, you know, instant top five um, yep. guy. So but I would still say CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young and then okay. Hendon Hooker or or you know insert QB here. Um yeah. so yeah, I still have it as CJ Stroud, Will Levis, um just because I think that those guys just will end up end up having the most consistency.
0: I love it. So okay, I, I do want to move on to the other positions, but last thing you mentioned Hendon Hooker, he's the one of the older prospects he, he looked good until he had the acl injury if Hendon hooker gets let's say mid round two capital obviously it's going to depend on if there's a real legitimate starting quarterback in front of him but say he gets round two draft capital where are you comfortable taking him in our super flex rookie drafts probably m- mid second like that was pretty much where jalen hurts was going
1: yep correct and actually um depending on that capital and where he goes you no. could he could be going 201 Um, 202, you know, realistically, and superflex, of course, um, just because just because the capital landing spot.
0: Yeah, you know, like I'm looking at I'm looking at the the draft order currently as it is, as it sits, right? And if you talk about a team that might want to potentially get a first round pick, so they get that fifth year option on the player, New Orleans is sitting there at 30, and that I know, obviously, they just got Derek Carr. But to me, that could be a potential landing spot as a little bit of insurance for Derek Carr a couple of years down the road. Um, or obviously any team could could try to trade up in you know, Kansas City, maybe would want to trade back. Philadelphia would want to trade back. I mean, I, I, that could be such a Philly move, man. Trade back, just get more draft capital in round two and just keep, keep the well full, man. But uh, I think that's interesting. Okay, let's move on, Matt, to the running back position. Um, I think as we start to go through this analysis, when we talk about impact players to our fantasy football teams, the running back class is very, very interesting, right? I mean, obviously you got that blue chip, top tier, some would call it near generational type prospect in Bijan Robinson. And it is Bijan, like Dijon, like a fine Dijon mustard. That's <laughs> how he likes to be called, but he doesn't care. Call him Bijan, call him Bijan. Just don't call him late for dinner. That was a dad joke for you, ladies <laughs> no, and gentlemen. No, that's okay. But- yep.
1: I've heard that from many dads. <laughs>
0: awesome. So I will say Bijan Robinson. I don't want to belabor it because for those who anybody who fo- follows fantasy football, Matt. He's pretty much the consensus 101. Um, I've been doing a few of these underdog drafts, and he's going right at the one, two turn. So the fantasy community is in on him in all aspects of life. Okay. So I would say, from a Columbine perspective, he just he checked that box. He looks athletic. We thought he was athletic. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Bajan Robinson is athletic. <laughs> <It's> now, <good. laughs> I want to talk about Jameer, Jameer Gibbs because this is a player that I keep going back and forth on. But I've landed on the fact that assuming he gets a draft capital, which he should, despite his size, I am not comfortable being out on Jameer Gibbs because of his size. And when I say size, typically what we look at look for in these prototypical running backs is at least 205, 210 pounds, right? At least uh, Jameer Gibbs came in at 5'9", 199 pounds, okay? I... You know, you, you go back to the tape, right? It's the that. You go back to the tape and he just looks like he is a baller. He is a difference maker in both the real NFL and in fantasy football. So despite the hundred and ninety nine pounds, are you still in on Jameer Gibbs as the R B two in this class or have you shot off it a little bit?
1: Well, if you um by chance remember is I was actually he wasn't my two in the oh, class to two. begin with. Okay. So here's the biggest deal. No, it's quite all right. I, I think that uh so when when we had theorized this podcast about mm-hmm. movers, Jameer Gibbs actually moved up for me. Um he was three he's moved up to two, but that's okay. purely because when I, when we, we first theorized his podcast was talk about movers. I yeah. think that the, it, the combine was a huge moving day for everybody with respect to fantasy football. I don't think it moved as much um, as far as real NFL, because I just feel like we don't, we don't, you know, scout these guys to, in the same yes. ways. And, and, and that's clear. Um, With the travesty of Malik Willis last year and and also Isaiah Pacheco on the other side of it. Um, So it's really tough. And like I said to uh, last podcast is that this this class is going to be shaped by landing spots, not by production and not by size, not by anything. None of that stuff actually matters. And this is why I really hate listening to a lot of the, the, the talk about this class because it's like, you know, none of this stuff actually matters. I mean, I could easily see guys like Evan Hull – be drafted somewhere crazy. And then all of a sudden he's an Isaiah Pacheco where you just, you have to be in these right spots for this stuff to matter, this combine stuff. So Jameer Gibbs, you know, the problem is that uh, that uh, cook James cook landed on a spot where he couldn't even get the lion's share of the workload with Devin Singletary, who's a slow plotting running back. Now, is that because he's a rookie, doesn't know the scheme, their team is good, so they you know, can't just slot in somebody? I just feel like if you were so good that you would just take over. And so that's what we're hoping Jameer Gibbs is because Jameer yeah. has the same size, but he has a better production profile, in my opinion, as far as his size. Like he's running a 4-3 where James Cook, I believe, ran 4-4, four, 4-5, four, four, something like that. So he's definitely a lot faster. Um, you, and you have to be. When you're this small, you have to hope that that open hole, that 4-3 is going to get you past the linebacker before they touch you. If they touch you, you're going down. Um, if they don't touch you, you're gonna have the gains. See, it's different than Alvin Kamara, and that's why I hate the the comps to Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara is bigger. He can take, he can bounce off the linebackers. Jameer Gibbs is hoping to cross up the linebacker if he can, which is fine. And and his agility is amazing. I would say he went from three to two for me because he ran the four or three. Now I can I can confidently say that. Getting to the second level and beyond it is a little bit easier for a guy like Jameer Gibbs. But if Jameer Gibbs falls in the wrong space, I mean, if Seattle takes him randomly just because they feel like, you know, they were locked up with, you know, they were having to start RB4 or five last year, they're in a position to draft a Jameer Gibbs as their RB2. That's a great duo, but Jameer Gibbs instantly falls out of the first round. I mean, what? And just in my opinion, because it's like, why would you ever draft a guy there? So he's going to be a guy that, that you know to answer your question he moved for me he moved up into this yeah. clear and away number two but that's only because these guys didn't test guys he like never. a sean tucker uh in my opinion you mm-hmm. know would be that very guy. very
0: quick yeah so uh jameer gibbs he ran a 436 which is i would say it's elite he has a 110 speed score which is elite percentile 199 pounds being compared to Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara is 214 pounds. At least he was at the Combine. Not that a is a meaningful difference in terms of size and weight. So I, I, I like what you're saying, Matt. He's not a reasonable comparison. He's kind of his own type player. I mean, when you look at his comparables, again, based off his size, based off his production, his best comparable is a CJ Spiller type player. This was somebody that was – like the fantasy community, has always um, – swooned over right we've always been very enamored by a cj spiller type player and you see flashes of it but he was a player that wasn't able to stay healthy in his career right he was constantly plagued by the health bug so my question is can jameer Biggs uh gibbs stay healthy that's going to be a huge one obviously he's going to be landing his spot, spot dependent um we'd like to see him get high round two capital his production profile should enamor at least one team to do that but Teams are getting smarter, Matt. Maybe they don't want to go for this smaller player. Maybe they'd go for a guy like a Zach Charbonnet UCLA back who, to me, checks a lot of boxes. He's 214 pounds. He's 6 foot. He had a college target share of 14.5%, which not enough people are talking about in terms of his pass catching ability. Um, he ran a 4 5 40-yard dash, which, for his size, is, is pretty res- um, respectable. I... Was having a hard time really finding a decent comp that i loved and and then again sometimes the numbers don't lie he's being comped to demarco murray from a production perspective and i love that comp right this is a guy that probably could have one or two years as a de facto rb1 in the nfl from a fantasy football perspective again right he can put up that production uh he looks good on tape why are it seems like the industry is like Yes, we talk about Zach Charbonnet, but he's like, okay, yeah, he's the third guy, right? Versus Zach Charbonnet should be in the conversation as the RB2. When you look at all what everything that we look at when we're evaluating running backs that we want on our fantasy football teams, obviously Jameer Gibbs could catch the ball, but Zach Charbonnet is not bad either. What yeah, am I missing here?
1: What what's up, Clip? Just wanted to say thank you. What's up to you? What's up, brother? Um, <clears throat> we love Clip. You know, we love the clip. Guy owns a llama farm. Uh that's a real <laughs> that's a true story. Um, so you're that's actually the smarter take, Shane. And yeah. that's the things that I feel like um I feel like the fanny fantasy industry is missing. I think that they are intentionally trying to be sexy, and okay, mm-hmm. everybody's got Jameer too. But that is the smarter take. You know, a lot of fantasy guys um are are hyping up it's not a llama, it's an alpaca, you're right. <laughs> that's so different. So I love it. You're, you're right. I think the fantasy community wants to do this, um, and every single year they do this, yeah. Um, yeah. and we all do. We all fall victim to it, too, where we're we're moving guys that should be in the third round up to the second round based off everything you're seeing. But again, we see guys that have better production profiles slip into better roles because of where they land. Yes. And so I can understand a guy like Tajay Spears, a guy like Roshan Johnson be, be flooded up the list right now, not knowing where they stand, but Zach Charbonnet clearly looks like the RB two in the class, given everything that you can see right now. Okay. And so right now it would be smarter to put Zach Charbonnet as RB2 than it would be to have Roshan Johnson, Tajay Spears, um, go climbing boards as much as they as they have. Now you can understand and explain it away because guys that were at the top have fallen pretty heavily. Guy like Zachary Evans, right? A guy yes. that you know, you a lot of people didn't love coming into the combine, and then apparently he didn't even weigh anywhere close to what he was supposed to weigh, which is fine. And I mentioned this on the last podcast. You know, running backs they they can't get any bigger, man. Like that you you can claim you can go five pounds up, but these guys are trying to weigh the maximum weight. They're walking around probably. Anywhere between five pounds plus or minus because these guys are so maxed out already where they're at. So if you see guys that are in the 215s, they come way at the combine and they're 199, or they're you know, svelte whether they're, svelte. Com- they're yeah, their their player <laughs> weights all through college were 210 plus, yeah, there's a problem there. So not to mention, then you look at the guy because you've only seen it on tape. You look at him in person, and that's what uh, Cody Carpentier said, said was that he looks small. So yeah. n- you got to start just dropping guys like that. So it's benefiting uh, guys like Tajay Spears right now. It's benefiting a Roshan Johnson, uh, guys that are testing, that look fine, look the, look the part. But it's just crazy to me how guys like Chase Brown, who are literally everything, Okay, Chase Brown is smaller than Anthony Richardson and jumped higher than Anthony Richardson. So why aren't we talking more about that just because Anthony Richardson jumped higher than any QB or whatever? I mean, we are not talking enough about a guy like Chase Brown. And then I also think that the precipitous fall of Sean Tucker from which was a pre-comp, pre-everything RB2 by a lot of people, a lot of smart people in the industry. He has fallen as well. Was it, is Sean Tucker the guy that, that was a sprinter as well? I think he is. Yeah, I, like I forget. A... I, I don't know a lot of the in-depth stuff. See, that's the problem with me is I'm looking at the numbers. I don't really care who the player is. I care about some of these combine interview stuff that has come out Yeah. Um, where guys or just interviews in general. That's something for me that means a lot because i was an athlete not anymore that's a good dad joke um i I was an athlete and i just remember you know when you see some of these guys at the top end of the uh of the spear you know the tip of the spear and they're they're you know what i call just you know douchebags or something like that you can kind of um explain away why they never amassed to anything you know and that's the bryce young corollary where he was such a great interview such a great person so you can see where he's overcame his size forever um well i'm just going to pause
0: for a sec matt so real quick on zach evans i want to get this point out before we move on too far so one of the things i worry about zach evans to your point he did weigh in at it was 202 pounds, right? So he was a lot smaller than we had initially expected. He looks small, like you said. And then he's also got some character concerns where he actually has a, he missed time in his high school senior season because of disciplinary reasons, right? So these are all little things that, listen, at the end of the day, it's production on the field, but at the back of your head, it's say, okay, smaller back, character concerns, didn't do the, all the testing. Like, do we really want to go and go to bat for that player? I also want to say... This, this podcast is unofficially sponsored by the Desert Mirage Alpaca Ranch. Google it now, and you will get a free tour from our guy, the man himself, Clipboard Jesus. And he will tell you and explain to you the difference between a llama, Matt, you layman, versus an alpaca. I love alpacas. Um, they're actually a really, really cool animal. And uh, the alpaca wool, which is one of the things that Clips Farm produces, is much softer and more tenable than dilemma so there we go baby clip we're giving let me
1: tell you let me tell you something also about zach evans is you know he he had to go from tcu so essentially he ran away from and you could you didn't you don't have to say that but yeah you know kendra miller ended up becoming the Mm. the lion in that backfield he ran away to ole miss now he ran away they say because he wanted to get more prime time um primetime looks but then tcu went to the national championship you know so there there was a negative and then he ran away to a spot where quinshawn judkins who remember that name (laughs) he is a freaking uh a a true freshman who is uh stellar who we're going to be talking about in two years uh you know as your bajon mustard so uh, quinshawn
0: judkins is how you pronounce the name okay i was reading up on him a little bit that's another guy
1: yep quinshawn judkins who was uh i think Freshman of the year. Um, so it has the same ideal, not ideal, but just kind of pathways, Tank Bigsby, which is another guy I'd like to talk about. But um, let me tell you some a little bit okay. about Roshan yes. Johnson, real quick.
0: Yes. Okay. Before um, you get Roshan Johnson, one thing I just want to mention about Chase Brown. Okay. Um, one Canadian boy. I'm always going to cheer for my Canadian boys. That's just a fact. <laughs> Second, seems like a cool guy, right? I, I love his interviews. Seems like a really good guy. Very well spoken in interviews. Um, We've got guys on the ground, right? That we're always paying attention to, uh, the player profiler guys, the roster watch guys. They go out to the Senior Bowl, and Chase Brown, first couple of days of the Senior Bowl, didn't really do great. I find that from a running back position, it's always hard to evaluate, right? Because it's just it's a different than in game. Um, but Chase Brown was um, nominated by his team as the best running back during practice that week. So that's another check in the box of Chase Brown. You said it before we went on before we went live, but you see him as kind of this year's Isaiah Pacheco in terms of just an athletic freak. Um, All he does is work. All he does is check boxes, not quite a household name yet, but I would expect him to move up throughout the process. And when you're looking just to pure numbers, he does kind of jump off the field. He's got kind of an interesting story where I believe he was, he had like five or six years in college for for various reasons, transfer portal, etc. But this is a guy I think you definitely need to take. Uh, we need to take into account and remember, don't forget about Chase Brown, especially if he doesn't get quite the draft capital. But I could see him getting round four, round five draft capital. That's the type of athleticism that he has. That the team's going to take a chance on uh, Kendry Miller. You touched on that. Now this is a guy who didn't do a lot of testing at the combine, but on the other hand he actually did have a very, very good senior ball. He stood out as one of the running backs junior senior bowl drills that week. So again, we don't want to take too much information on a week of practice for the running back position, especially, but Kendra Miller is definitely somebody that we need to, to, to take into account. And could he go in round three, do you think? Like, does Kendra Miller have the profile to go in round three in the NFL draft, which would be great draft capital for our for our rookie drafts?
1: Um, Yeah, yep. That's the answer to that question. To be honest, it seems like um, so we don't see first round running backs much anymore. I mean, Kenneth Walker is your fantasy dynasty 101, I believe at this point, Um, not a first round pick a uh, great running back i mean everybody in the entire world was on him um yep. what i uh so you know they don't go in the first round anymore but what they can do now is start to fill out the second and third round um not to mention that uh, you got again isaiah pacheco's fall to the 7th round i mean i i just yep. don't think nfl teams care to not To to not or to do I mean you either fall in love with the guy or you don't and even if you don't fall in love with them you pick them in the seventh round they can still end up starting your fantasy football team in the Super Bowl that year so I just look at I don't care I just don't care where these guys get drafted anymore. And I don't care that draft capital is a part of your scheme because it helps you comp guys. I that's stupid. And it's, it's a dumb metric now because the guys like Isaiah Pacheco, when it fails you once or twice or three Mm -hmm. or four times, but draft capital has failed the running back position all the time. I mean, you see running backs in all facets of the draft be productive on the field. Um, you can stay consistency consistent with opportunity, and that's what's most important. So I'll be looking at guys like Chase Brown. <clears throat> um, my, dude, my favorite guy is still Sean Tucker. I, I yeah. can't talk enough about it. You got nothing on him. No, nobody does, and that's probably a problem. But Sean Tucker gets drafted to Arizona, and he's in the first round. And it's just – that's how it's going to be, and that's how it should be. Sean Tucker's a great running back. Roshan Johnson seems to be the darling that everybody's speaking about, and I can understand uh, why. He's got great production. He's been productive all four years. He's been productive he tough,
0: with – When he played. When right? he played, when he, played with, he looked good.
1: John was on the team as well, okay? Mm-hmm. so But here's the thing. Here's another guy that was on that team, uh, Keontae Ingram, Okay. On that team 2019, 853 yards, 10 total touchdowns. Okay. The guy's a better athlete than Roshan Johnson. Six foot 221, Roshan six foot not 219, I think something like that. Um, Roshan ran a four, five, if you have it off the four, top of your four, five, eight. Keontae Ingram, four, five, three. Keontae Ingram, sixth round pick in a good situation which was the cardinals at the time i mean you could have seen a guy like that break out right so a yeah. better better prospect profile than roshan johnson on the same team getting no opportunity having to transfer out to usc um it's we've seen it before i just can't see why roshan is up so high at all um but i could be wrong i'm not saying i'm right i'm just saying i can't see thing, it
0: he's got a, a 10 out of 10 character in terms of a player you want in your locker room. From what, what we've heard, Roshan Johnson is that guy, right? Um, if he was on just any other team. You heard that about
1: Chase Brown though. And Chase Brown has yeah. way better everything. So True. why isn't yeah. he anywhere near there? Why is he not sniffing there? Yeah, Th- there's no, no answer exactly. for it. And yeah, nobody no has an answer for it. You can just say, Oh, he looks good. Oh, but he didn't test well. Oh, we still believe in him. Well, that's okay. You can believe in Devon a chain as well. But and that's a guy who is going to end up going in the first round because of his speed. But again, what team is Devon A-Chain going to, where he's going to get the type of profile? You you would have to hope that he goes somewhere that matters, mm-hmm. and and that's why it's a dead zone at where Will Levis is, <laughs> you know, in the dynasty rookie drafts because you yeah. have to go Will Levis because otherwise you just you you don't know you don't know you don't and it's,
0: know. Um- I, I think that Devon A. Chain is really interesting. You mentioned him because of just his electricity on the field. Another the player that looks like that is Deuce Vaughn. Um, so when I watched Deuce Vaughn, and then I asked your take on him, you're like, listen, I don't have a strong take, Shane. And the reason I don't have a strong take is because we have not seen players like this hit in the NFL, period. Right. Um, one of the play, like when I was watching, I couldn't quite figure out who he reminded me of. And then I saw it. It's J.J. Taylor. Is is a guy as a player that Deuce Vaughn reminds me of. He's five foot five, Patriots 179 Mark. pounds. Yeah. Patriots running back. He looked amazing. Every time he touched the ball, he looked electric. But one, he was injured all the time. He couldn't quite get the trust of the coaching staff. And now he's gone. He's effectively done. Right. Last year they went, and they got Pierre Strong, and that's it for JJ Taylor, right? Coming in this year, I think Pierre Strong is gonna have um more usage. That's it. See so ya yeah, bye bye, JJ Taylor. You had your opportunity. Now, could he do something special on special teams? I think, yes, if he's going to get a position on that roster, that 53-man roster is going to be on the special teams to start, and then maybe he'll earn the trust. But I just, again, we look at the numbers, we look at the production, but you need to understand that the college game is different than the NFL game. A player of that size, very, very, very rarely do they actually pop and pop consistently for a fantasy team. Maybe you can take a flyer on them late in a best ball draft, But other than that, man, you're not going to know when the hell to start this player. So just be cautious. I mean, If you want to take a swing on him somewhere in your round three of your rookie drafts, fine. I mean, at that that point, it's lottery ticket time anyways. But just be aware. Matt, we're at 43 minutes. we got to talk about the wide receivers.
1: So my very last thing I want to button up on the running backs is uh, player profiler does such a great job with their comps. There are so much more realistic comps where you're seeing Jameer Gibbs be comp to Jamal Charles. And yes, that is a great comp. Um, because he fits, he fits almost the exact mold. But yep. that's your very, very highest-end comp. When they have C.J. Spiller there as your number one comp, that's great. But what I like to look at and what they do really well is they give you a top four or five comps. And if you can pick out one of those guys on the elite side, so this is more of a Chase Brown thing, Brees Hall is in one of... The, Chase Brown's outcomes and that's Something that I love to see about a Guy that's that's showing you everything When you look at Roshan Johnson When you look at uh, Tank Bixby Josh Jacobs Damian Harris You know Ty Johnson Tony Jones Spencer Ware those Are guys that just you know jags They just make you 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 Don't love it and then my last thing is clip says holy shit matt just admitted he did it's not a know-it-all i know a lot about this class but my my take on this class is that it's so much opportunity yeah. um you know by, sure, i need yeah. where i need opportunity to to reroute this class and you know you get what running back is going to the cardinals it could be a guy that you none of us love but i think it's gonna we're gonna end up loving And now that we get to the wide receivers, that's something I want to say is where is the Dallas Cowboys drafting a guy? Because that's a guy I want, you know, with with Dak throwing it all over the place. Dalton Schultz may not be coming back. You hear nothing but just things that they want a veteran. They want whatever. Well, they're going to draft somebody in the wide receiver position. They're usually pretty awesome at drafting wide receivers in the sense that they go for guys that that can pop. You know, and that's what I love about Jerry Jones is the guys that you can't really say that Jerry Jones can't draft wide receivers. Well, they're not the Steelers. Right. But the guys they have had are elite level guys. Um, I'd love to see where they draft a guy in the fifth round. And I've mentioned this before. Xavier Hutchison, Iowa State. Mm. He's the Will Levis of the wide receiver class where you kind of. You know he's not the he's not the top end guy, but he's definitely not the bottom end guy. But he's just a monster out there. He does everything right, and you can't t- turn away from him. And he's a guy that's going to go in the fifth round. That in the right situation, or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh round, in the right situation, Xavier Hutchinson's my guy that I love to grab late second, early third.
0: That that that's a good name. I, he- so one of the things we like to do is that he's got that size, right? He's 203 pounds, six foot two, which is pretty decent. Um, we talk about comparables. Now, from an athleticism perspective, a little bit worrying. Guys like Romeo Dubs. Jeremy That doesn't worry me. Romeo
1: Dubs doesn't worry me. Like, he looked fine when targeted. I mean, he wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, but where you see uh, Jeremy Macklin, great, a good receiver, you know. Oh, yeah. That's like a high. I would say that's a high end outcome for a player like that. Um,
0: So I'm thinking, Matt, here we're at 47 minutes. I think we need to come back next week and talk about the wide receiver class because to me, this is where we need to start doing our nitpicking. And really understanding where one player differentiates, because I mean we don't really have a true alpha. I still have Jackson Smith and Jigba as my net wide receiver one, especially with the elite elite agility that he showed at the combine. He just looks different than the rest of these players. But a lot of these guys are small. Um, I'm still maybe maybe I'm missing the boat in this one. But I'm still not sold on Quentin Johnston as as like a true guy. To me, he reminds me like of a, of a Cortland Sutton type player, and maybe just when I see him, that's the player that I see. And I just, I worry about that type of player nowadays in, in in the modern NFL, but let's end it here. Unless you want to give me one hot take about a wide receiver. I don't want to give you hot takes. I
1: just think that, okay, um, just give me a take. Give me a take. I know, I know that we're 45 minutes in, but the, 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 podcast was supposed to uh primarily be about movers you know up yes. and down Let's and talk so about some movers. maybe we'll talk quickly just about some movers so yeah. um for me Quentin Johnston actually ended up being more like Jameer Gibbs where I had him as four yeah. I think he did move up <clears throat> um I I don't know where just yet because I'm not gonna necessarily put him above Jordan Addison but a lot of people have you know yeah. Sidney Rice got a comp for Quentin Johnston um I okay. like that comp. I think that that's exactly where I'm at with him, where he's not great, but he's also a guy that can stay in the league given production and opportunity and he's probably a good two somewhere. But the yeah. thing about Quentin Johnston that I really love to see, even though he measured smaller than what we thought he was going to measure at the Combine, is he looks thick. You know, that was my yes. main thing about yes. him when I was watching him on tape, is that he looked so small. But when he was at the Combine, he looked thick now talk about movers it's it's so tough but marvin mims moved Mm. up now marvin mims was already my my guy so xavier hutchinson and marvin mims were the two players that i thought were wildly um miscasted marvin mims seems every bit as much as zay flowers um you know Zay Flowers, I'm still not in on. Um, not like to Flowers. say that I don't like him. I just, I'm just because he weighed 182 um, at the combine doesn't mean I I don't care. Like 182, 177 to me is the same. Like you're not gonna say the guy is going to be any better. So why would you? So my thing is Josh Downs. Um, although he measured a little smaller, um, he. And Zay Flowers are the same height, but just about nine pounds different. But to me, Josh Downs actually moved up pretty good, too, because he looked electric out there. The way he runs, just the way his routes are so crisp. And you can see his legs like he's been doing it, like his legs have shaped how because of how he runs routes his whole life. Uh, mm-hmm. Tank Dell looked amazing, too. I thought that he looked so crisp. And these guys need to be that elite athletic guys to even have production at their size. So I looked at guys like that and I was like, yes, this looks great. That's why people are knocking Addison down because he didn't run so fast. And so like, okay, well, we got to knock him down. But the thing about Addison was you saw a couple of those balls that were way not in the freaking space, same space he was, and he was catching these balls like he had sticky hands. So Jalen Hyatt Hyatt stayed for me, mainly. Now you texted me, blowing me up about how he didn't run four threes.
0: Well, that was supposed to be a superpower, right? Like, what was Jalen Hyatt different? He was going to be the Henry Ruggs of the class in terms of, okay, are we 100% sold that this guy is going to be, like, a, a superstar pro wide receiver in the NFL? Maybe not, but we do know he's going to have insane upper percentile speed, and he didn't. He didn't check that box for me. So that was a knock. I mean, still qu- quick as hell, right? I mean, it, it is what it is, but he's not the most elite at, at the speed.
1: Yep, and his comps were John Brown, Quez, Walken. So, yeah, that's yeah. 100% it. And if Jalen Hylett gets Planted on a team that are is only going to use him for his speed, then he's not going to be anything in the NFL. But if if somebody can give him a little more, uh, if he goes somewhere that that he can get a little more, I think he will end up, um, you know, supplanting where people, uh, you know, think think he's going to be. There's a reason why he's still in the tops of the lists. You know, still above a Trey Palmer, Tyler Scott, Cedric Tillman, Michael Wilson, still above these guys because he still does have dy- dynamism, okay? And then to yep. to talk about the tight ends uh, real quick, Darnell Washington um, mm. o- almost leaped Michael Mayer for me based <laughs> on the combine. Here's the thing, dude. You it, Did you see the one catch in the combine? Where it was completely out of, out yeah. of his, not out of his range. Cause he's a freaking, he's a freak it's
0: seven. He's a one
1: handed the catch toe tapped yeah. in. He was still probably out of bounds, but the fact that he is able to do something like that at the tight end. And, and I, I heard this little comp, not comp, but if he gets drafted, they were saying, well, what happens if he gets drafted to the Jaguars? Where they already have a bunch of role players around, but you just pop in another role player with dynamism, and you have two mm-hmm. tight ends that that Trevor Lawrence can target. There's mm. they're gonna be scary, um, and cunts. This <laughs> name's Chris. not cunts; it's coots. You know he he was he was awesome. You know him, yeah. Will Mallory, Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta, Iowa. I mean they. Challenged the Dalton Kincaid, the Luke Musgrave. So I think that almost has to even out, and near the end of the second round, even middle of the second round, instead of grabbing these small guys, which I'm just not going to do, I might take a nab at uh, a stab at these these tight ends that land in a great position, because as we can see in fantasy football, your tight end position having having the guy that is your top five that matters that matters and it gives your team a clear advantage um if you can if your tight end that you have that's a rookie is going to actually produce for you and and get you into that top five top six category um it could mean a lot for your fantasy football team
0: yeah i see four tight ends this year that could make Tangible difference in year one. Like, take, I'm talking about like your Pat with type differences, right? Where they could get you seven, eight touchdowns in a season. You're hoping for it's, it's, it's the same conversation, the four for 40 with the touchdown, but they're in that conversation of getting those seven, eight touchdowns on the season, which is what we're looking for in fantasy football. Uh, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, and just to put a bow on Zach Koontz, he literally was the most athletic tight end of all time. So this is, uh, this is uh this is something
1: to, my final thing on it is that yep. Daniel Jeremiah reworked his top fifty post combine and it now has five tight ends in it. That's sick. I don't know if it's gonna
0: happen, but I think that's sick.
1: Well, but that's the thing, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it happens, he's saying that because of more likely that what he's hearing, yeah. you know, the guy at that level is probably hearing, man, we really like these tight ends, we really like them, and it really I think is more telling to the wide receiver class where you got wide receivers at the top of the list, but a lot of these guys teams are gonna throw darts on, and you might see most of these guys slip to the four, five, six versus the two and three once you get past Hyatt. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be tough, but I'd love to, you know, another couple of weeks go by. I'd love to actually sit down and dig a little more instead of movers. Um talk about the guys that are starting to pull away, um, for guys that i want on my fantasy teams next time we're almost here to draft season shane it's it's getting, a month and a
0: half for the yeah, rookie draft.
1: we're getting here and i appreciate you having me on you know these podcasts are great they're good to listen to they're good to follow because you just need that alternative content we're not the the i'm not the podcast guy that's going to tell you devon a chains in my first round he's not yeah you're going to hear that from a lot of people uh charbonnet Slowly moving to RB2 here. That's a hot take. Um, what else is a hot take? Anthony Richardson, number three, potentially is a hot yeah. take because a lot of people have him one and two. A lot of people um, have
0: him as their number one quarterback in this class because yep. of the the upside. But I, I'm with you, man. For me, he's my number two right now. Um, because of that upside. For me, Stroud is a clear definitive number one quarterback in this class
1: so we're a stroud house. uh chase brown sean tucker in my opinion they're three and four you know mm-hmm. guys that once you you look at you know some of the guys from the top falling down the tank big speeds of the world the kendra miller is still an enigma i'd like to see the pro day i'd like to see some of the yeah. hand times and the last thing i want to say is cody carpentier said something really awesome on the podcast i listened to recently where he said that um, and this is kind of interesting, and I'll leave it on this: is you know, apparently these NFL official times, they really may not mean as much as we think they do. We're going off NFL official times, but if a scout is on the field and they're hand timing, you know, let's say Jalen Hyatt got an NFL official time at four four, but the scout's time was four three six on his stopwatch, they're gonna jot that four three six down, and that's gonna move. These guys, that's why sometimes you see the vast discrepancies in dynasty players and real NFL draft capital, because the scouts, they are looking at things that we're not looking at. And it could be this. It could be that. But it's interesting to notice that a hand time is may mean more inside that war room than an NFL official 40 time that we get to see on TV.
0: So I heard that, too. You know what my take is on that? You know, my take is on that. Them scouts, it reminds me of, what was it, Moneyball? We had all the scouts in a room that were trying to, like, um, promote one guy, and it's just like, no, 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 right? Like, they have to sit, fit this exact box of the player. Guys, we have the technology there. It's just another example of how the NFL is so old and crusty to not adapt to modern technology. So that's just my take on that. Obviously, we need to take into account the reality, which is these scouts will use their damn timers versus real laser Times official times, but well, you can't I, argue. Kind of...
1: Like if the Steelers are gonna tell you that they like a wide receiver, like no, get it and argue, I get it, Matt. You know? I'm just saying, I
0: think it's another word. I think it's cockamamie.
1: Cockamamie. Welcome <laughs> to 2023, to baby,
0: <laughs> Matt. We're just getting started on this rookie class in 2023. I mean, we just touched the surface here. I really want to get into this wide receiver position because we know where the modern NFL is going, especially for fantasy football and understanding. In detail, the quality of this wide receiver class will make or break, I think, this class from a dynasty rookie perspective. But we got all season to get there. But ladies and gentlemen, for Flex Matt, I'm Flex Shane. Go check out DFSarmy.com, please. It's where we hail. We're a little branch. where We'd like to talk about the fantasy football side of things. Very, very focused on long-term dynasty. DFS Army, what have you done for me lately? They're winning people money. DFSarmy.com. DFS Army. .com we're out
1: knowing that